Hello, and welcome to the Adaptive Executive Podcast, where we meet with senior executives and discuss how to keep yourself and your organization adaptive and your employees engaged. My name is Greg Ballard, founder and owner of 5C Consultant, and I am your host. If you'd like to be considered as a guest for this podcast, you can apply on our website at 5c.consulting. Look for the word podcast. For now, let's dive into the show. All right. All right. Welcome, everybody. This is Greg here with the Adaptive Podcast, uh, the Adaptive Executive Podcast. And uh, I have a special guest, Scott Smith. And we're going to dive right in. Scott, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit and tell us about who you are and what you do? Yeah. So, uh, of course, my name is uh, Scott Royal Smith. Uh, I'm an attorney, um, longtime uh, entrepreneur um, and real estate investor. Um, as well as just overall uh, investing. So I have a law firm. Uh, it's a national law firm. Uh, we work with about 2,000 clients uh, all over the country. We have a large team of attorneys, paralegals, and other support staff. Um, what we've always focused on has been what are the durable and predictable ways that people can achieve financial freedom through their investing? And how do we see that replicated over and over and over again? And we work with um, Everybody is like everything from like average investors all the way to people that have 50 plus million um, in total net worth on their asset protection, their tax and their estate planning. Um, and one of the things that I'm excited to come on to this show today about is what are you know, some of the leadership skills that it takes to build one of the fastest growing um, and most uh, cutting edge types of virtual law firms um, inside of the U.S. Fantastic, Scott. So tell me a little bit about your structure. Um, as you're a national legal firm, you're growing. Tell me a little bit about your structure and your team, how you're set up right now. Um, yeah, so we have a completely decentralized team. Um, everything is virtual outside of the office spaces that we need for uh, compliance purposes. Um, and the way that we ended up growing was by looking and saying, great, well, let's just look at like what wealthy people do, right? And what are the strategies that they're putting in place? And what we found out is that there's actually very predictable ways to model the data around people's finances and what they're, what they're doing and what they're located on. So it comes out to about 20 questions that we ask every single person that comes in to be able to profile. Here's the strategies that we've seen that are from people just like you. And we have education materials, masterclasses, et cetera, to educate on. One of the cool things that I think we've done that's really different is that I used all of the, the master classes, trainings, group coaching stuff that I do that I've used for marketing is all of the information there is. There's no extra hidden information that we have out there that we hold back because our idea is that we educate you, you're going to use us to execute or you're not going to do anything at all. But here's the cool part. The cool part is those are the exact same materials I use to train my staff. So now my customers and the people that are interacting with us are co-learning with the staff and then anything they don't know gets escalated up to me and my network. Say, great, how do we improve the information learning system as a community? So we have this cool symbiosis that happens between all of our clients and all of the staff and myself and attorney team. So that's really interesting, Scott. So what you've done is, is you've digitized uh, a base of knowledge um, in your industry for your clients and with and for your staff, so everybody's using essentially the same vocabulary and the same models, and and you're communicating. What are some other the things that you've discovered in doing that, in, in setting that up, and going through that process? Yeah, what I also found was hy hyper powerful for us is all of the group coaching that we do each week. So what I found out here too is that when we do like live coaching. 
uh, with people. Um, we usually get about anywhere between 70 to 100 people that will join in on a call and I'll present on like one of the topics. Um, that we have. And what we can do is active community facilitation to get people uh, of our users connected to each other. So now it's like where their friends are hanging out every week. And they're also, they're all listening to the same presentation. And we also crowdsource the questions using uh, breakout rooms and active listening techniques to be able to pull directly from the customers, what things that they find that are valuable and what things that they want to learn that they didn't. Learn, And that gives us all the future topics we know we need to educate our base on. Uh, what are the other gaps that they have? And how can we better serve our marketing, which is actually just strategic education that needs to happen uh, mm. through the customer journey? And, and then we also found it's like, well, great. That's great for like the masses, but where do people get elevated to? And that's where we have paid like small group or individual coaching that will come through to whatever the higher levels that of more specific information. So like higher net worth individuals that are over a million plus are able to then sign up for our small group coaching, which is led by me for that select group of people that are inside of that net worth category that really don't need the basics. They really need that next level. And so that we're able to stratify what uh, what information is important to that audience, which further hones in like what our marketing and education needs to be based upon how certain customers are profiled. And then that becomes part of the evergreen marketing, right? So you use live group coaching, crowdsourcing information and group connection to be able to create repetitive use by customers, but it also will tell you directly where are the gaps inside of your marketing. Very interesting. So I want to pivot a little bit and talk a little bit about you as the executive, as the leader, as the guy at the head of this, this team. What are some of the things that the new levels of demands that have been brought on you kind of in our current context uh, with pandemic, with lockdowns, with restrictions being put in place? What are some of the things that you as the executive leader have been kind of processing and dealing with? So I started Royal Legal Solutions as a virtual firm seven years ago, right? So for me, it like COVID didn't impact us at all. In fact, we grew tremendously through COVID and it's like it never happened, like for everybody inside of our company and our business. Um, so I think we just got lucky in that sense because I was like, hey, yeah. I can't be tied to a location. My life is too big and expansive. I'm actually not building this law firm to get rich. I already accomplished my financial freedom through my own real estate investing and being an attorney before uh, I even started this firm. And this firm for me is a passion project of like, I get off on being able to get people financially free and set them up with really cool stuff and hack how do we learn? Because I'm at heart, I'm an educator. Uh, and that's what I really enjoy. Um, but the keys to be able to make this all happen with people I've never pressed any flesh with ever, even in my C-suite of my own team. I've never actually, we actually are going to have our first full team meeting in Florida here coming up like next week. Um, but the secrets to it is connection. What right, I believe right. is that the better I can connect with myself and understand myself, the better I can connect with you, whoever you are, whether you're here with me or not, and that the connection is the basis of all of the leadership of everything else that we're doing. It's how do we align on vision? It all fundamentally comes down to connection. And that's what I've always focused on is do I feel connected to my staff? Does my staff feel connected to their team? How do we do group facilitation as part of an all hands meeting instead of a top-down presentation? And the nuts and bolts of what makes great connection is, that you, is the humility of being a leader. Because on a highly connected organization, my experience has been nobody gives a shit what I actually tell them. They only care about what they think is right, right? Mm -hmm. If you think about that, how many times your parents tell you something, you're like, eh, you know, like it's not any different for all the other people. You're just daddy up at the top trying to tell them what to do, right? 
So the trick is, is how do you get the communal wisdom? How do you do the active listening techniques and lead the organization through a bottom up discussion where they're floating out? What are the ideas are? What are the potential solutions? What are the areas of focus that they see from their direct communication with the customers? Because that's what we want. We want direct Mm -hmm. responsiveness to the customers. And then it's our job as leaders to be able to filter through and guide the conversation with where we know that it can align up with all of the other business objectives that we have in the appropriate way. Sometimes this means that I have to agree to do a solution that I don't think is 100% right. But I do it because it's supportive of the energetic flow of what's happening at the bottom. And I want high energy at the bottom with filtering up ideas for what we can do. Because I know long-term, I don't want to be the one making all of the decisions. So how, what does the system have to look like if it's not me making the decisions of what has to happen? And that's the process. Yeah. So what I'm hearing in that, Scott, and and this is a space that we play in quite a bit, is you're empowering your people at the floor, right? And you, you're essentially saying, hey, if you're the closest person to the problem, you're the expert. And I'm going to drive, I'm going to, I'm going to listen to you because you got your hands on, you're immersed. And if I've done it, if I've effectively communicated our organizational values and our vision to you of where we want to go, then you're the best person to tell us what that client needs or how that problem should be solved. And you've built that infrastructure, you've built that culture, and and it's paying off, essentially is what I'm hearing you say. That's right. And it's always a continual process, right? Like your culture is never perfect. It's like anything, you constantly have to be reinvesting into it. And that's why I say having a C, being the CEO of a larger organization might be the easiest job in the world. Because in fact, there's not much I really have to do that makes that big of an impact. Of course, there's all the right brain stuff. Like see the big brain over here, right? Yep. A lot of people see this big brain and they think, oh, it's he's really into like the frontal lobe. Like it's your brain is the only thing that matters, right? Well, of course, of course we need spreadsheets. Of course we need analytics to be able to make decisions and data-driven decisions. But we need those to the extent, I believe, until they tell us where to focus on. But then you got to switch to the other part of your brain. Right. People call this like a heart centered approach. I think it's just another part of your brain. It's the empathetic part of your brain that says, here's how I can connect with the people that are going to actually execute this. And how can I be sensitive to the connecting with them in the right way? So that way they can be um, empowered to go do it. Right. Mm -hmm, And that's why you you actually need both sides of your brain to be working to not just know the, the spreadsheets, because if you just do the Jack Welch approach, here's the spreadsheets, I'm gonna hammer you, you lose billions of dollars. That's what they found out, right? Everybody hates their job. They're only doing enough to be able to not get fired. And they really don't give a shit. They're only looking for like money, really. It's just money. That's the only way you can empower people in that place. But if you use this other brain approach in conjunction, use the spreadsheets to be able to highlight, here's where we need to be able to focus and use the bottom-up empathetic connection with the people to be able to find out what is going to be the organizational level we can actually execute. Now, how can execute in my head? That's the thing, the way that I dreamed up how we can execute. What are my people telling me they can actually execute? What came up from them? Because likely I'm not going to be able to get them to do anything more than they believe they can do. Because that's just how people work. You can never get people to do more than they believe they can do. So if it didn't come out of their mouth, it ain't going to happen. Understood. No, and that makes a lot of sense. Um, I want to I dive into this a little bit further. So you have built your company as a fully distributed 
company. I've, I've worked in organizations with a couple thousand people fully distributed around the globe. And the infrastructure and the way you communicate is radically different than companies that are in person or what we call like semi-remote. You have a few people that are remote. And if you'd be willing to, Scott, share a little bit about what infrastructure you've put in, maybe some pieces, tools or some behaviors and practices that you have found really successful, because I know a lot of our listeners are wrestling with this question. Do we go back to in-person? Do we embrace a distributed company? Do we have some kind of blend? And then what are the implications of all of those decisions for our company and for our clients? And so I'd love to, if you could share a little bit about how you've done it and what some of the tools and techniques that you've found successful. Yeah. First of all, I think going into the future, everybody is going to want to be fully distributed because life, because life is actually that much bigger when you can control like your location and time like that itself has a currency. And we're seeing that there's a more and more uh, emphasis put on that currency, especially with the younger workforce. Right. So if we're actually thinking long term here, I would recommend let's work on solving the problem now before it's like, holy shit, I can't get the people I need because they my people actually want that currency, but my organization hasn't. Uh, hasn't uh, appreciated how much people want that currency. So that's a that's an overarching problem. You're going to have that problem. It's going to get worse. It's not going to get better uh, after COVID. Yeah, that comes into it. Long long term trends are going to head that way. So the question is, what do we do with that? Because if I can't see you face to face, how do I create connection? Because physical touch and proximity is an essence of connection, right? Like we know that if we give somebody a hug, we feel more connected to them. Touching their hand, giving a handshake, more connected to them. So is there a way that we can hack the brain such that we can create the kind of connection that we're looking for, right? And But be able to do it inside of a virtual environment. So let me tell you how we did it actually inside of our group coaching. And that way you can see it, how it works inside of customers. Because I my brain works the exact same way with customers as it does employees. I view when I'm sharing vision, mission, vision, values with my employees, I'm marketing a message. I'm educating and marketing a message just like I am anything else. So there's really no difference. So in any of the, the coaching work that we do on asset protection or whether it's about tax or whether it's about high net worth, people looking to invest and different types of syndications or other models or, or legacy planning with your estate plan, whatever the class happens to be about, the first thing that we do is when we go into a meeting, the first thing we do is ask you, what have you been learning about X topic that's been helpful for you? What are the things that you're aware of that you don't know about X topic? Whatever the topic is of the discussion of the day, it would mm-hmm. happen to be, right? So whether that could be pick your whatever corporate thing is that you guys are focused on, you could drop it right there in the blank. And here's the formula for it. Then what you do is you send everybody out into a breakout room. Let them talk to each other for five minutes. Kick it around. They're going to shoot the shit. They're going to talk to each other a little bit, connect with each other. And now they just went. And they're also going to talk about the topic because you're going to prompt them before they go to do that. Hey, when you come back, we're going to be asking people to share what came up in your groups. So they're also going to talk about the topic. So now they've shifted. They shifted whatever the bullshit was that happened in the rest of their day before they got into that meeting. Now they're now focused on what the topic of the meeting is. They're now talking to other people and connecting with them about that topic. And now they're connected inside of this little small community of five to eight people inside of their group in a breakout room. Then what we're going to do is we bring them back. And this is a great, we'll have some music playing. Everybody's having fun. But then it's like, cool, we dropped the music. It's like, great, who wants to share about like what came up for you that was valuable for you inside of, of your discussion? And everybody starts to share. And all I do is I just, I click my camera around and I start taking notes. So everybody can see I'm taking notes. It's like, hey guys, this is super valuable. 
If you don't have your pens, you're not taking notes. This is the most important thing that we're doing is listening to each other and hearing about what's what's valuable for us and how we can better better capture that. Say, cool. All right, great. So now we got everybody's topics of what people thought about that. We didn't share any additional information yet. We just listened and showed people we cared enough to really truly listen to them about what was going on. And then we kick it into the presentation, which is no longer than 20 minutes. People can't hold on to any type of information for longer than 20 minutes. They just will start to tune out. So just keep it at 20 minutes. If you can get down to 10, that's even better of like how much information that you're sharing from top down for them. Now that you finish the presentation, it's time for more questions. Cool. What did you grab that was valuable out of that presentation? And what do you wish would have been covered? What did you wish what you would have learned more about that? Cool. Now go back out in your breakout rooms. Talk about it with each other for five to seven minutes. Kick them into different breakout rooms. It's them and their little pod, and they're there and talking to each other, connecting and thinking about what was valuable in there. So now you're cementing in their brain that these meetings are valuable. You're making them think about, hey, what am I going to pull out of that meeting? What did I just learn about? And what are the other things that I wish that I would have learned about that would have came through here? When they come back, again, we're just going to ask them, tell us what it is that came up for you in group meeting. And we're going to write those things down. What did you find valuable? We know those are the things that we need to focus on in terms of why people come to these meetings and find them valuable. We're also going to flag for them, what else do you wish you would have learned about? Because that tells me my next meeting topic. Because now I'm being responsive to exactly what my employees are telling me they need to learn more about, about our mission, vision, values, or strategy. And do it to better, to further, further, to feel confident in the direction that we're going. And then we're able to do some Q&A at the end of it to say, cool, ask me some questions that we have going on or I'll answer some questions in the chat. And then we wrap it up and then tee up the next meeting about like, hey, this is what we're going to be doing in the next meeting here together. What you find is, is people are on fire by the end of the meeting. Have you ever gone to a meeting when people are on fire from an all hands meeting? They're laughing, having fun, had like a, a great, this is a great, amazing experience. They can't wait until the next time they get to come together and connect because that's what that brings you as being able to run that type of meeting structure. So a couple of things that jump out to me. First of all, Scott, you, I feel actually you're, you're taming yourself on this interview a little bit. You have a ton of energy and it comes through even in this interview how much does that add to the ability to do this virtually? So if we're talking about somebody uh, may not have as, you know, intelligent, capable, competent, they have the empathy, but they're not as energetic. It doesn't come through the screen. How do they overcome that challenge of pushing the energy through the screen to engage and create it, this dynamic experience in a virtual environment? So I'll tell you the number one way I see people do it wrong first. And okay. they, you'll see this from all like the people that are like Tony Robbins trained speakers, that they think that they're creating connection energy by being loud and talking fast and like being like, ah, about it, right? Into it. And you'll see, you're like, you watch them, you're like, what is wrong with you? Like, how did, yeah. you were just normal. And then somehow <laughs> your brain just switched into something crazy. Like all yeah. of a sudden, right? And, and I think that that's the piece where people think that's what energy is. Energy is not that. Energy is about connection and curiosity, right? Mm -hmm. If you're intensely curious inside of yourself, I wonder what they're going to find valuable. I wonder what it is they actually need to learn more about. And you approach it with that curious energy, regardless of how fast you talk, loud you talk, whoever your personality is, it doesn't matter. Like think about it going on a date, right? If you're really good at dating, you're really good at being curious. 
because you're showing intense connection about what's going on with the other person. You're listening to whatever they're telling you and you're responding to it in a way that's appropriate. The number one people mess up in dating is they think it matters what they say. And it never does. What matters is how good a questions you can ask and how well you show the other person that you're listening and how good the follow-up question is that comes in after that, because that person just wants to dig inside of themselves and share with you about whatever their truth is. That's fundamental to who we are as people. So that's all you have to do. That's why this is the easiest process you've ever been able to run in anything you're doing, because you can just template it out and you're just curious. You're just asking questions. You don't actually need to tell them anything. You just need to yeah. ask it questions and listen. So there's a fundamental shift here. I want to I want to call this out for our listeners. Um, if you are trying to create an all hands on deck virtual experience so that you can talk and send information that you think is important that you want everybody to take action on, it's probably not going to go over very well. However, if you create um, a all hands on deck where you want to solicit ideas and perspectives and thoughts come with great questions, give people the freedom to express themselves and you're going to have a highly energetic experience. That's what I think I'm hearing you say, Scott. Yeah, that's right. And the way that you do that in the process and still share the core information you need to, and the way that you engage the people and the way you get the people to engage with each other, that's the magic. And that's the magic of the process that I've developed over the last seven years of just focusing on how do I, how in the world do I build this team to get them to function? Because I've gone through, I don't know, probably at least a few hundred staff members of like continually trying to hire and fire and figure it out because I only get one shot at doing this right before I ruin that person, ruin them, you know, like they just, it gets too, what, things get messed up and they're like, okay, cool. I can't actually use you anymore in here, right? Because I've screwed up the way that we brought you in, the, what your experience has been like. Now you're all scrambled in your head about this stuff. And anybody who's been an executive knows exactly what I'm talking about, right? And then you're like, cool, I have to reformat it. So I've actually gone through so hundreds of people and trying to figure out how do I do this in the right way um, for it to be effective? Because what we do with the asset protection, estate planning and tax is at such a high level. And then I have to have only the very best people I can get and that they have to be able to connect with clients as well as each other inside of a virtual environment. So it's not even just me that has to be good at it. I have to also facilitate and equip them with the skills to connect with each other and connect with clients in the same way because all of our clients are virtual too. So if you think about it and invest at it as an executive, in my opinion, about how do you run as many group meetings as you can to model it for your team and training everybody in your organization to think this way, to run meetings this way, to talk to people virtually, connect with each other in this way, the more powerful you are because it's the very best way I've been able to find an R&D over the last seven years of how do we do this? And that in a virtual environment, it's the number one thing that makes business happen. It's because it's the connection. And how do you do that virtually? Because if we can't shake hands, which we all know is the number one way to be able to, at the old school way, I got to shake their hand and sit down with them face to face. Well, if you can't do that, this is the other way, other way that I know. Uh, and so your, your team is national, correct? Yes. You have a national team. And so your clients are national. Um, what would you say? What, what's the size of your company? How have you been growing over the last two years? Talk about yeah. some of the growth that you've seen. Yeah. So right now we're up to about 40 people 
uh, 40 full-time employees into it. And that's a big host of paralegals uh, as well as, as attorney staff. And we have about 2000 clients. So that puts us on the larger end of law firms, but not, not big box. Like we're not inside of like, we're not in a corporate kind of model. Um, and the way that we've structured everything out as being pods. So that like, there's actually like 10 small companies inside of Royal Legal Solutions. And then I'm the CEO managing other team leaders that are function exactly like their CEOs as well inside of their own pod that has their own attorney, paralegal and support staff. And then they have a section of clients that are dedicated to those cl that client base. So it's like, great, that's your portfolio of clients. And I'm going to train my leadership team of that pod to be a leader of that pod to deliver this kind of experience for that client. So that's the way that the tree structure typically works. If you're looking at like a leader of leaders um, approach, I highly recommend any ways that you can structure your organization such that you can get the incentive structures and economics to line up with saying like, hey, you own this business. Your pod is your business. And you can you can change the, the your future by making your business run better. And then my pod leaders all talk to each other about like how the, how they're working with their business, just like you were coaching other entrepreneurs. Yeah. So Scott, I want to ask you uh, one more, I want to open up one more area of question, and then I want to give you a chance to maybe share with our listeners how they can get a hold of you, your team. And if they wanted to investigate what you do or partner with you, they can do that. At the beginning, you had talked about this idea of as you got really clear on yourself and what you needed and wanted to ask of your team, it became much easier um, and much more, you became much more successful, successful in actually communicating and connecting with your, your employees. Can you talk a little bit about what areas you found you need to be really clear on in order to be effective as an executive? Yeah, um, so I hope this doesn't lose anybody for being too hippy dippy, right? But my question always in my mind is how in the world can I help you with a problem if I, if I haven't looked at that same problem inside of myself, if I think your problem is that your ego is too big, right? Have I actually worked on my own ego issues, right? And seen like actually looked at that as like, where does my own ego impact my own life? And how do I work on that? Because unless I can look at that and connect with that about myself, which we all have, we all have the same issues. If you think somebody else's issues that are out there are different than your issues, you don't, you, you're, you still lack the awareness of the fact that I inside of myself have all of the issues that I see in other people. I'm just not aware of where they're at yet. So if you can first get awareness on that aspect of it and focus on all of what's going on with you, that's what I mean by self-connection first. Yeah. Then I can see that in Greg and say, ah, oh, cool. I see what Greg's doing there. I know exactly what's running with there. Why is he afraid about getting the analytics and he's resisting me on how he wants analytics around that marketing funnel? Greg must have fear running around what that means for him. So how can I coach Greg through his fear? Because if I push on Greg, he's going to fight me back. But if mm -hmm. I can help Greg work on his fear and the fear around that and what does that mean for him? then actually I can coach him at a different level about how he can work on the fear. And now Greg is no longer resisting to me. He's we're now aligned on vision. We've cleared the roadblock and Greg's going to, and I've helped Greg grow as a person, which now makes Greg super loyal to me. Cause what did I just give him? I gave him a superpower, which is how to grow as a person by being connected to me. So how the hell is Greg ever going to leave me? Right. Because he's like, man, this is the guy that's helping me make my life better at the most fundamental levels. I know that helps me make more money too and makes me a more effective leader at the same time. So it makes sense from a business perspective. 
but you can't do it until you work on yourself first, because unless you can help yourself first and how do I do that? I can't help the other person do it. And, and how, how's that going to work? And those are a lot of things that I really, I really enjoy talking about. If we got time for a quick story, I'll tell you about how this actually happened with a recent attorney of mine. I love good stories, man. Go ahead. Cool. Um, so what happened was, is that, uh, uh, the attorney, the attorney was in there and she was, um, really afraid about like how many, uh, how many, uh, what were some of the, uh, how many meetings she was going to be able to take like with the clients. Right. And she was like, well, if I don't, if I don't, um, make you guys happy with like our client satisfaction with these meetings, you know, I just don't think it's good. I was like, okay, cool. So if you don't meet the satisfaction levels of the clients and we get that feedback, what's going to happen? Well, what's going to happen is, is, um, uh, I'll get a bad uh, performance review upon it and I'll have, and, and people, um, and people won't respect me. Okay. So if people, if you get a bad performance for you and people don't respect you, then what's going to happen? Well, then I think like my job might be in jeopardy. I've been, it's like, cool. If your job's in jeopardy, what's going to happen? Well, I might get fired. It's like, cool. If you get fired, then what's going to happen? Well, if I get fired, then I might not be able to make mortgage payments and, I, and, and, uh, and, and I won't feel successful. And, and honestly, Scott, if I, that happens to me, I don't even know if I can get out of bed in the morning. And I was like, cool. So if you don't have the right client satisfaction scores and we measure and we're measuring the client satisfaction scores uh, and it turns out that those aren't satisfactory to your level, it could actually mean that you're going to end up being homeless and maybe die. She's like, yeah, I know it sounds crazy, but that's like, that's what's going on. It's like, okay, cool. Right. And says, so when we're sitting about there, do you think that's reasonable? Do you think that's a reasonable thing to have happen? Or do you think it's more likely that something else is going to happen? And she's like, yeah, it doesn't really seem reasonable. So, so what is a reasonable, what, what do you think reasonably will, will happen? Well, probably what will happen is if I get a bad score, you're probably going to come back in and coach me about how I can improve it in some way. And it's probably going to be fine. Cool. Okay, great. So are we okay with going through and getting, and are you okay? And are we okay now with looking at the scores? If I can, if I can promise you that I'm going to come to you to help support you with knowing that you're going to be able to improve those scores over time. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Great. Now, inside of just three minutes, I switched the fear and I got her aligned with what the objective is on treatment. She stopped fighting against it energetically as well as and socially in the organization. And now she's actually a better leader, right? Because now her people don't feel her resisting and afraid, right? They, she now comes off as like more confident with what's happening and more at peace and more aligned with what's happening in, in the organization. Right. So that's like a quick way to show yeah. you how you do that. No. And that's a, I think that's a fantastic example of coaching as a skill for an executive. Um, I was introduced to coaching through a mentor of mine. I picked up some coaching skills. I used them in role and saw tremendous success. And, 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 and that's what led to a lot of what I do today. And so I think to our audience, like if you haven't built or invested in your coaching skills as an executive, this is a great example of how you can help develop someone on your team using coaching so that they can achieve what they need to achieve. You're, you're investing in their development and you're using a methodology, a modality of coaching to, to achieve that. And it's highly, highly successful. Yeah, it's super successful. It's much more efficient. Because now I get to have one conversation in the last a few minutes and I don't have this lingering resistance yeah. about it, right? Yeah. Um, and the other thing I want to point out too is a lot of people will hear me talk and they think I'm all hippy dippy on like, oh, it's all about our feelings or whatever. It's 100% not the case. I'm the most hard ass person on here are my numbers. Give me my numbers. But the numbers only tell me what to focus on or if I have resistance to getting the numbers that I need and like what's mm -hmm. happening 
to that, right? So the numbers tell me where to focus, but it's all of the other scales about how do I actually get it to execute in a way without me having to pour tons of energy into the organization all the time to get people to do the things I want to do because that just leaves me exhausted and tired and unable to think of the next places we need to go. So if you're a true visionary, true vision leader, and you're, tr and you're truly trying to change a market and the way that people operate, you need to be constantly innovating and connecting to customers, which means you can't have a bunch of bullshit happening inside your organization that you have to deal with every day between how what people are misaligned with you energetically or that you don't have the numbers that you need to be able to know where you need to go. And this is the most efficient way of being able to balance those two needs. I love it. I love it. Um, Scott, I want to give you uh, final thoughts as well as how can our listeners find you, connect with you uh, regarding legal services uh, protection? Uh, you can outline what you offer there. And then how can our people find you? Yeah, if you're looking for um, uh, an elite um, attorney and tax CPA and tax team with all inside of one house that can help you no matter where you're located, uh, no matter what you're doing into it, that's what we have at Royal Legal Solutions. It's on everything from the asset protection to protect yourself from lawsuits, to hide your assets. That way it looks like you qualify for food stamps if anybody ever looks to sue you, how uh, you can streamline your taxes. Um, and to be able to save money on taxes with the most advanced, predictable, and best practice tax strategies and integrate everything in seamlessly with your estate plan to ensure that your children are taken care of and that you're planning for your legacy. Um, if we look at like, as a, we, we do that at Royal Legal Solutions, that's the niche that we focus on and we in-house everything. So you have a single point of contact. You're not having to pump back and forth between a ton of different uh, professionals. We do all the quarterbacking for you and just present to you like one uh, streamlined um, communication. So if like there's basketball players, you know, you got like high school, you got college, you got people that are in the NBA, they're pretty good. And then you have like the all-star team. And then you have like the true legends, like the Michael Jordans. I don't think I'm a Michael Jordan. I wouldn't have the ego to say I'm a Michael Jordan of, of what I do. Right. But we're, I definitely aspire to have everybody on my team be all-stars. And like, those are the level of quality excellence that we look for. Um, and I would love to help everybody here. Um, listening to this podcast, um, just streamline and outsource that part of their life. So that way they can have one person they talk to. We handle all the accountability, all the processes, all the planning for you. Uh, so that way you can just make decisions and then leave it to us to be able to do the execution. Fantastic. Uh, by the way, the way you go there is rlspod.com slash adapt. So rlspod.com slash adapt is going to be the link to go to, uh, to be able to get connected with the team. All right. And we'll put that in the show notes for sure. Cool. All right, Scott, thank you. Any uh, last comments on the adaptive executive and what executives may need to think and be thinking about as they're engaging uh, distributed teams? Yeah, I would I really say is that the best thing you can do, guys, is uh, just to focus on connection, right? Connecting with my team and being connected to us brings you a higher level of energy and clarity to your life that will be able to enable you to be more effective there. And then focus on the connection, connection with yourself, connection to others, connection but connection to the highest level people you can find in your life. Cause you're the summation of the people that you're connected to the most. Um, and we'd love to connect with you because we believe that that's how we can help you leverage. Um, but connection, connection, connection. It's the name of the game. It's the only tried and true way to always win. All right, there you have it. Scott Smith, Royal Legal Solutions. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on the Adaptive Executive Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. You can follow us on LinkedIn and by subscribing to our mailing list. Again, my name is Greg Ballard and thank you for listening.